You are listening to An Abridged Degree. My name is Nick. Every week I have a great honor of talking to people from around Orlando who are doing interesting things. And occasionally I like to put together a show with segments from different episodes. That is what you're listening to right now. This episode captures the college experiences of a few of my guests. As a dad staring down the barrel of two teenagers, as a professional who worked in college admission, and as a student who went through the process, this is near and dear to my heart. I hope you, the listener, get something out of the variety of paths people have taken to get to their careers. Let's start it off with the Chief Operations Officer at Ideas for Us, Lee Perry, and her story of starting college by taking her senior year over again in a different country. Culturally, we have this uh, expectation of what coming out of high school should be and what the college process should be. Mm-hmm. And I am, I tried that and I did very poorly. I flunked out of University of Florida. Mm-hmm. I tried going to community college for a little bit. It was a great community college. I wasn't ready for it. Uh, eventually, I found a mentor that helped me connect me with Embry-Riddle. Mm-hmm. So I was there for a while and then I ended up at UCF and I graduated from there. And what I felt for a long time was that that was an unusual way of doing things and I did it wrong. And what I'm realizing now, working in admissions, working with people, especially those going back to schools, there's no right way to do it. So what I'm always curious about is coming out of high school, what were the expectations that you had for yourself and what actually happened? Mm. Well, I'm really, really happy that you told your story because I I wanted to say there is no right or wrong way to do it. You know, you have to find yourself and that's just part of the process. Um, I came out of high school, I was low income, but I received a scholarship to travel abroad completely coincidentally. Um, I just applied and out of the blue because I had a teacher throw a packet full of grants and scholarships over at me. And he was like, make yourself useful, apply to these scholarships. And I did. And I got one and it was to travel abroad anywhere where I had already taken a couple semesters worth of another language, which at that time was Italy. I took Italian for like five semesters because I really liked the teacher. So in high school? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So straight out of high school, I went to Italy. Um, had no idea that was going to happen. <laughs> I had no idea that those types of programs were available. Yeah. I was the first person in three years to ever apply. They were like, you're the first person who's ever applied because Americans don't like to travel abroad at that young of an age. Um, and we usually have more high schoolers from Europe come to America. So they sure. were just, they gave it to me just probably out of the fact that I was the only <laughs> one who applied. Um, so it was a full ride scholarship. They even paid my host family and they paid me a stipend to go there. and Just to live there? Just to live there and just not to learn the to language. School, not go to Well, they have 13 years of high school. So I did my senior year again. Oh, okay. Um, and so, but really I didn't know the language as well as I needed to at first to, you know, carry on in society. So I really had to learn like I was a baby from the first day I was there. I was so completely immersed in the culture, yeah. 100%. So I was there for a year and it taught me so much. And I thought right out of high school, I was going to go and study abroad for the rest of my life and be in Europe. Like I had this idea in my head. And then as soon as I was there long enough, I realized how much we take for granted in America. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to come home and hit the ground running. And I I don't take anything for granted here anymore. In fact, now 
I love being American and I want to help fix a lot of the challenges that our country is facing that I've seen uh, Europe excel at. But Europe, in, in, is, as far as my experience in South Italy, it's a little bit old-fashioned and they have a long way to go as far as getting to where we are mm-hmm. um, with the services that we have as a country. For example, just um, animal control. They have dogs everywhere. You'll see dogs dead on the side of the road. They don't have any anybody doing that. So that's just one thing that really broke my heart that we take for granted here. I would imagine, yeah. Um, but anyway, moving forward... Um, when I came back home, I had nothing. So I had to sleep on people's couches. I didn't have a car. I didn't really have money. I just had my suitcase and what I had. And so, was this here in Florida or were you yeah, up north at the time? Yeah, I had bright futures. So um, I, you know, I, I went to high school here in Florida, but I'm originally from Massachusetts. Okay. And I just decided I'm not going to take my education for granted. So I went to a community college and it was the best few years of my life. Seminole State. Seminole State. I took my time. I really um, wanted to get the full experience. And I felt like in a community college, I had a much better college experience than UCF. So when you say college experience, you mean the sort of, again, the traditional, what you would think of uh, college experience, interacting with faculty, interacting with other students, being part of student groups? No, I never had time. You okay. know, I, was, I was paying my way through school. You know, and even though I had bright futures, I still had to pay for my books and everything. I sure. had a little bit of help from my grandma here and there, but so I. So then, what did you mean by college experience when you say I had a better college experience in Seminole State than I did at UCF? Well, I didn't feel like a number. Got my it. teachers had time to sit down with me and really help me make sure that I excelled in the class versus at UCF, I really kind of felt like cattle sometimes. I would be in a room with upwards to 500 students or take a class online where I'm watching my teacher through a camera, mm-hmm. that didn't make me feel very good, very valued as a student, like I when I was in Seminole State College. Um, but I just graduated in May. I'm 28 years old, and some people will say, you did it the wrong way because I really took my time. But I didn't do that um, by mistake. I did that on purpose. I wanted to be debt-free, you know? And so it was very hard working sometimes two full-time jobs to pay my way through school. And, um, but it was so worth it. It was worth it, especially if you ask Lee's team and the community she has created with her work for Ideas For Us. Find out more about that at ideasforus.org. Let's go back again with Jesse James Allen. He's a local musician, storyteller, and car aficionado who found his career through an internship. This was very early 90s. This was kind of like the transition between the analog era and the digital era. And uh, in high school, I wound up getting selected to go to this magnet school that was like privately funded, but it was a public school. And that's where I learned um, filmmaking, um, there was a radio class, oh, there was nice. audio engineering, and I had studied music there for like two years. And uh, it was kind of like, hey, I got to pick a, a college. Um, you know, my father was just total blue collar guy, single dad, didn't have a lot of money, that kind of thing. But we were trying to figure out something that I could get into to kind of pursue those. Um, and 
Obviously. So was it always college or was it let's figure out what you're doing next so that you have a foundation to take care of yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, my dad really wanted me to, you know, be prepared to deal with the world. Uh, we didn't know exactly what that would be in my case. You know, I had all these interests. I was I loved programming synthesizers and all that stuff, but it was really obscure as real fringe tech at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I looked at several schools. I know like Full Sail was just kind of starting up and, and it was, of course, like Berkeley College of Music, which was awesome, but really expensive at the time. And uh, I kind of did a, uh, you know, a deep exploration of what can I do to get the most bang for the buck kind of thing. So I met with my school counselors and the a lady who ran our radio programming class said, I bet I can get you an internship if you just want to try it out. And so I enrolled in community college because I was doing good at math and uh, I was studied electronic theory and design just at, at uh, like a vocational school, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, and then I started working as an intern. And it was cool because I kind of had an, a leg up on a lot of the engineers at that time and that I had been exposed to working with digital tools uh, which were still new in the industry as a full-time professional thing. Uh, so essentially I was like the tech guy, right? I was the IT of audio kind of guy. And uh, they would teach me traditional audio engineering, and I would teach them about you know, the new things you can do with digital technology, samplers and digital editing and all that kind of stuff. And it just started snowballing. You know, I just got better and better positions um, until, yeah, like, you know, I, I, earlier in the show, we talked about the, the crazy situation accidentally making a number one album, you know, or being part of it, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, and that along with a bunch of recommendations from people that I had worked with as an intern or whatnot, uh, gave me a chief audio engineering position. Uh, and ironically at the same place that I started my very first internship with, uh, it was the Denver center for the performing arts. We had a media building, we did documentary film and all that kind of stuff, and some support for live theatrical production, which is where I fell in love with all things, you know, lighting and and how to, you know, create moods and environments and stuff with lighting and sound. Uh, Hugely uh, influential in my future life, I guess. But it was one of those things that, like, looking at it forward, it didn't make any sense. It was just kind of I wouldn't maybe not say go with your gut or go with your passion is go with your curiosity, right? It was like, well, that's intriguing. Let's learn a little bit about that. Not knowing like what that would ultimately become because the things I've done in, you know, let's say the past 20, 30 years or so have all been like, you know, I couldn't have mapped that out in high school, you know? Right. Right. Video game sound designer was not a thing when I was a senior, you know? (laughs) So, um, and I encourage people who are in that situation now, you know, you're looking at prospective jobs and you're trying to like, Oh, do I need to go to college? I want to study this. Consider the fact that the, after you get out of college, the thing that you might want to be is being phased out. Technology is advanced and it's moving on to the next thing. Try to think of like, how much information can I get now that will be applicable and who knows what as we get further along in life? Right, because the thing that you might want to do that you end up doing may not even have been identified yet. Right, but if you're curious and you explore so many different disciplines, you just kind of have a better vocabulary for creativity, right? And that is really the key ingredient to, to moving on and learning how to adapt 
to new technologies and new ways of thinking, you know. Right, rather than be being scared of it or trying to hold on to your technology so that it doesn't go away. You right, have and to I, adapt. I, I think especially in the uh, audio world, a lot of people feel that way. They're like, I just need to learn this specific set of software and, and that'll carry me through. I mean, the industry... Something could come out of left field that just disrupts that whole thing, and now it's done in an entirely different way. Not that that knowledge is irrelevant. It's just you have to expect that it's impermanent. You know. So, from a video game composing perspective, what instrument? I mean, did you learn to play instruments growing up, or was this something that came up later? Um, so, in high school, I started learning how to play the piano. Uh, my dad was uh, a collector of all like antiquities, I guess. We, I grew up with a bunch of jukeboxes in the house, and there was a player piano. And what I would do on the player piano is I'd load up the piano roll, and then I'd play it really slow, and I could just watch what keys went down and then memorize. I could flip it off and try the same patterns, then turn it back on, and it'd play a little more, and I'd memorize that part. And uh, so it was like having a piano teacher always. Uh-huh. Um, but you didn't have to talk to anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but later on, of course, I did take you know some uh, piano lessons, and I wouldn't say I'm like an expert pianist or anything like that. Um, I, from a sound design perspective, I'm more interested in what the sound is to create the music and not all of that is necessarily notes. It's kind of like textures, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I did have some formal training in it, but I'm not a concert pianist or anything like that. So did you go to college eventually? I never did. Um, it, it just was kind of, again, it's time and place. By the time I had ramped up through my internships, what I had learned to become was something that was in demand. So uh, essentially, like as I, you know, got to a certain proficiency, people were like, "We're looking for somebody that knows that tech." Right. And I got in. Uh, I first thing I was doing was uh, I was a Sonic Solutions editor, which was like the higher end version of Pro Tools back in the day. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's trivial compared to what software is out there now, but a nonlinear digital editor was totally an obscure thing right. when I first started. That. New and rare. And yeah, all that people stuff. are like, yeah. "What? You're not using tape? What? What's going on here?" You know. Well, I wonder too if it's easier in that sort of position to, you know, the the credential is important. We always talk about the credential, the the college degree, getting your foot in the door, oh, being yeah. that you know it's a checkbox, right, for Definitely. a lot of people and a lot of organizations. But when it comes to having more of a creative background, um, you can show your portfolio right. more often and say, this is what I've done, right. rather than say, okay, I went to college here. Sure. And so I think that's interesting and important, too, is that how do we, regardless of what you're doing, you have a portfolio of work. Yeah. Some of it you can't show, of course, because you you know maybe it's uh, uh, specific to an organization or it's... You know, it's a business plan that you can't share or something along those lines. But there has to be a way to show that portfolio. So you're really talking about what you're doing and what you've done in terms of concrete things. If you heard a siren during that clip, that had nothing to do with us, I assure you. You can see Jesse's portfolio on Instagram at Jesse James Allen and on Vimeo. Just search for the same name. Coming out of high school, Ashley Renee was given a push in a specific direction. It didn't turn out to be for her, though. The entrepreneur recounts her experience of coming out of high school and how she decided to start her own business. 
at that point, I felt like I was going to do what I wanted to do. But there was a, a, turn, a change of events that took place. So okay. um, I got into NYU and I wanted to do, um, I think, mass communications. That's what I wanted to do. All right. Um, but my Great mom was school. like, yes. Yep. My mom was like, no, that's not happening. That's not happening. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to make money. And you're going to do it here in Florida. So the concern was you have to do something that will translate immediately into a career. Basically. Okay. And I, and you know, I thank her for that now because she was just looking out for me, sure. you know? Um, but you know, I guess when you're a teen, you kind of want to have it your own way. Mm-hmm. So, um, instead of say, staying in South Florida, I came here and so still in Florida, which checked off one of her boxes. Right. But far enough away that you could kind of have my own independence. Yeah. Okay. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, I, I ended up getting a degree in international <laughs> law and politics. Um, but I felt like for so long, I really had to kind of please my parents and all of the hard work and all of the lessons that they instilled in me. I needed to show that I learned something from it, that I was able to apply it into real life. And a majority of my life I've lived for my parents. Okay. Um, so when I got to UCF, you know, I had that option cause I started off at Valencia and so I had the option uh, to switch, yeah. you know? Um, but that didn't happen. For some reason, I stayed with it, uh, and I I thought I was going to be maybe the world's best diplomat. So when you say switch, you mean you went from Valencia to UCF, and you thought you might switch majors? Yeah, got it. Okay. I felt like I had that opportunity to be like, okay, now I'm going to do what I want, and then mom kind of just did. You have an idea of what you wanted to do, or was it still you ended up doing kind of what you were pushed towards because you still didn't really know? Okay, so what I really wanted to do, yes. I mean, if we're going to get down to like yeah, the yeah, belly yeah. of this, yeah. I wanted to be on Broadway. Okay, fair enough. That is what I wanted. You wanted to perform. I wanted to perform for my life on stage. Like, Was this something you were doing as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. In, uh, in high school, I did slam poetry. Got it. Um, I was in, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, theater? I was a thespian. There mm-hmm. we go. Um, and even at church, because I was brought up in the church, I was doing a whole bunch of plays. I was doing a whole bunch of acts. Even at the summer camp, they referred to me as one of the highlights of camp. Um, so I loved performing. I loved performing. Still kind of do at home by myself. Yeah. Or on the radio or, right now. Oh, thanks. I mean, this is kind of just me, you know, but um, essentially, yeah. I loved performing and mom was like, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to make you any money. You're not going to be stable. You need to think of something else. So the concern was, you know, you don't want to be this starving artist. Why don't you go and do something that will make sure that you have a a stable life? Yes. Okay. I did show um, interest in travel and politics in high school. Uh So I think maybe that's where she came up with, okay, you're going to do law. You know, I guess that's where it maybe came from. But like I said, I'm grateful that she wanted me to do something with my life, that she didn't want me to be maybe unstable with the finances, that she wanted me to, you know, 
I guess, have a stable job. Yeah. No parent wants to see their child struggle. Yeah. So I'm grateful now. As a teenager, I didn't understand that I hated it. I was like, come on. But nevertheless, I still went to school (laughs) for international law. So it is what it is. Did it ever uh, appeal to you or occur to you to do like that on the side to go and take a couple of theater classes and and that sort of thing? So um, after I graduated college... Um, I was working at FDOT and a private engineering firm. The Florida Department of Transportation. Correct. Okay. And no shade, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Why don't I start my own business? That way I make my own money doing what I want. And then now I have time for acting. Now I have time for auditions. Now I have time for schooling if I need so to. So there was still that in the back of your head is something Absolutely. you could do that you might want to do. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and then maybe when we get into bad business ideas, we'll talk about my first business because Sweet Utopian is not my first. That would be perfect. Yeah. That would be perfect. So that didn't last long. Not at all. You can listen to the entire episode with Ashley to hear more about her first business, her second business, and who's to say the seeds for numbers three, four, and five aren't in there as well. Last but not least, one of the owners of Orlando Meets, Elliot Hillis, discusses how music led to cooking and a learning style that doesn't seem to fit in the traditional template. So there was some pressure to go to college, and um, I did for a couple semesters at Valencia. It did not work out. Um, Was high school a good experience for you overall? Yeah, I had fun. I was in band, and uh, I had a good social circle. Uh, You know, I hung out, and um, I didn't get, like, bullied or anything. I was left alone. You know, had fun. Um, I thought I was going to be a rock star and then alternately that I was going to be dead by the time I was 18. So like, there was just whatever, like just have fun, nothing's, and then I didn't die. And so that was jarring to say the least. Here but you are 18. No plans. What do you do? Rock star. I was not going to be here for at this point. Yeah. So now rock star. That did not work out either. Okay. I played drums for a very long time. Um, I put out a few albums with a band called Fish Pocket. And um, one album after that with a band called Benz and Fiends. And then um, that did not work out. Nobody wanted to pay me for this for this stuff. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's very atypical for the person going for the, uh, uh, the rock star lifestyle. It was very off, uh, off-cut stuff. Like it was super masturbatory musician music and like not very well produced. And it was not... It wasn't sellable, but I mean, okay. you know, you always have a dream and a glint in your eye and you want stuff to work. Of course. Um, and then I, uh, I just sort of drifted around for a while until I got really into cooking. Um, started in a dish pit and worked my way up and kept at it and was really, really obsessed. And I progressed faster than my peers generally. A lot of studying, a lot of trial and error, a lot of taking control. Um, so instead of hey, uh, you know, can I, I would just do stuff and hopefully I didn't get in trouble for it, um, which has Ask forgiveness. generally worked out for me. Yeah. Um, the best example is at the bison where I just slowly sort of like a lichen uh, just took over everything, covered everything. And uh, like I built a charcuterie and a fermentation lab in the office without permission, just started doing <laughs> it and uh, nobody stopped me. So uh just kept at it, kept encroaching, and uh, it worked out really well. Yeah. Any regrets? Do you want to go back ever to college, or you feel like 
the reading that you do, sort of the the I don't know the lifelong learning approach that you have, mm. um, especially when it comes to cooking. But beyond that, I mean, you have other stuff going on. Obviously, part of what you do is chemistry. Part of what you do is art. Part of you know, yeah. So you, it's not like you just cook all day every day and read only about that. I mean, I've got a uh, Voltaire on the shelf too. Um, but the, uh, I think for me, the way my brain functions is so scattered and so nebulous and sort of just out there. Like not like not I'm crazy, but just mm-hmm. like sort of uh, just grabbing what it's just like a dirty sponge that's just rolling around. Whatever it picks up, it picks up, and it'll just incorporate that into the milieu of uh, of my life. But um, so I think that college for me having a curriculum wouldn't necessarily benefit me in the way that I need education to benefit me you know because there's like some stuff that I learn on purpose there's things that I've picked up uh from watching tv like obsessively watch jeopardy and there's stuff that I've learned from jeopardy that's applied to my you know what I mean watching documentaries like oh that's like a little cool concept and it's just Mm -hmm. exploded into this entire methodologies for pasta have started from uh, I watched a documentary about processing of seafood. Just in one, uh, it's a pressurized chamber, and then like, okay, th- this would work for pasta as well because of the way glutamic structures work. And so we changed the way we make pasta because I, I was just sitting on the couch and I saw this thing. Um, and so that's, it's, it's, you don't know what's going to be useful, so just let it all in and then see what comes out. And I think that having a curriculum that is more focused might be limiting to the things that I would be exposing myself to. Right. You know. So you need like basically a daily curriculum. I need an unfiltered deluge of stuff Information. just hitting yeah. me and some stuff will stick. Okay. Great. And it could be another potential bad business idea is a new type of college experience. Just a constant assault of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Constant assault of information. That's exactly how we're going to market it. <laughs> I think that's just YouTube, man. Just forced <laughs> to watch YouTube 18 hours a day. That's per- so many people, I think, would apply for that. Yeah. Because they probably do that. You already do it. Already. Yeah. You got to take out the cat videos and stuff, and you can only watch uh, like apolitical rants and some TED Talks. Yeah. Uh, things like that. You know, how to put together something you're not even interested in. Yeah. Like woodworking. Building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like a artisanal. Um, what do you call it? Like a artisanal light bulbs and stuff. That's sure. Just can't. How to put those together. Yeah. I love it. Chip in a bottle. We just fixed education too while we we're at it. Yeah. I like it. Thanks, man. We didn't actually fix education, but hopefully these discussions start conversations for you about college, the path that's best for you, and the experience you would recommend for the people around you. Take someone out to Orlando Meets and break bread over your own career talk. What did you think of this episode? I would love to hear from you. Hit up to a certain degree on most of the social media channels in the world and suggest future topics. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you have a chance to leave a review on iTunes, I would appreciate it. Thank you so much.